Kia ora and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Cathy O'Sullivan, the editor for CIO New Zealand, and I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Roxanne Salton, who's the Chief Digital Officer at Southern Cross Healthcare Society. Hello, Roxanne. How's 2023 for you so far? Oh my God, I can't believe we're what already today, the 23rd today. It's gone really, <laughs> really fast, but it's good. I know. I'm really loving the weather at the moment is really good. And I've had an excellent break. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, well, great to have you um, on CIO Leadership Live today. And to start us off, can you tell us a little bit more about your role and what your team at Southern Cross Health Society does? Fabulous. Well, yes. Yeah, so my role is pretty much looking after technology uh, and making sure that all of our systems and all of our applications and all of our uh, business is up and running and ensuring that we're serving our members, which is the most important part for us. Uh, and so my, name, my team really looks after uh, the day-to-day -day running of technology and ensuring that also we're delivering to all of our strategic objectives that we've laid out uh, within our five-year plan. So uh, big responsibility, but fantastic job. <laughs> yeah, it's a big role. And you've not come from a traditional technology background, but you obviously have had a lot of experience of transformation. In. So can you talk us through, you know, your approach to transformation? It's not an easy thing to do. So how has it taken shape in your own career? Well, transformation is an interesting word, first and foremost. I always sort of pause a little bit on that word because transformation can come in many shapes and forms. And, you know, sometimes a word like digital or transformation can mean many things to many people. So for me, transformation is about what are the activities that you need to make sure that your business is shaped for the future? And so transformation is a bit of a, it's a bit of a word that over the years I don't like really using because it means that it feels like there's an end to it. Uh, but in actual fact, when you work in technology, and especially in digital, and I've been in digital for 20 odd years, it never really ends. It's a, it's a constant evolution. So for me, transformation is more evolution. Transformation is more the activities for sustaining that evolution over time. Technologies doesn't stand still, and therefore, sh nor should your activities. So you constantly need to evolve. Uh, but for me, it's more around digitization. So what have we been doing in businesses in the last 10, 15 years to move us to a digital future, a data-driven future, and therefore those activity or transformation, which could be actually down to your technology, to your people, ways of working, uh, all your processes that you've been doing. So do we need to do the things that we're doing today, and do they need to change? in order to sustain where we want to go. Um, so really for me, transformation has been a journey uh, of many things over the, over the time. And like you said, I've not always been in technology. So I've come from sales, I've come from product management, I've come from innovation and disruption. So transformation has had a role in all of these roles, including my strategy when I was at the bank uh, and now actually looking at uh, the technology itself. So I've had many faces to transformation and it's, it's never the same and it continuously evolves. So uh, quite a big, big word. <laughs> Absolutely. And you mentioned there that, you know, transformation is a journey. So when you walk back from that end product of transformation, whether it is, you know, transforming your ways of working or introducing a new um, system, what do you think are some of the key steps CIOs must take along the way? Is there ever like a starting point or something that will kick off that transformation? Look, I think every transformation and every journey seems to have a very similar outcome, but a very different roadmap to get to, right? 
Uh, and it depends on the business you're in. It depends on the industry you're at. It depends on the maturity. Um, but what I've learned is there's some key criteria that are always true for CIOs, but also for any executive group. And that's ensuring that we're all on the same page, right? So the job of transformation is never the job of just a CIO. I can tell you that right now, if that's the case in your business, you will fail at it. Uh, it is not the job of that person or this person and, and they'll take care of it. Uh, it's got to be an aligned executive group with a CEO that actually is driving that agenda because actually technology now sits on every single level of the business. It's not just something that the IT department does. Uh, so that's really, really critical. And I think, uh, you know, I've been in businesses where we had the coalition of the willing. We only had a few uh, and some businesses that had none. Uh, and I've been now I've got the privilege of being in a business that all of us understand the value of of the transformation. So as a CIO, for me, it's really important that I help translate my area into plans that all of my colleagues understand. Uh, being a good storyteller, but also challenging some of our business decisions, right? Because we have a plan in terms of our members and what we need to achieve. But to achieve that plan, uh, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of investment, and it takes a lot of good decision making. And that means that the information we put on the table has to be really clear, and it has to be challenging. It's got to be uncomfortable, uh, and especially when it comes to IT, because IT has, you know, lots of legacy, or like we like to say, history, and some of it is good, some of it needs to change. And that means that there's some serious decisions that we need to make. Uh, and as a CIO, I think one of the key things that we need to make sure of is that we consolidate, we simplify, and we put forward what is needed at this period, but also understanding that whatever decision we make is going to be affecting us for the next few years to come. This is not a tactical area. This is a very strategic area, and as we all know, the investment can be great, not only in money, but in time and in your capacity. Um, and, you know, there's a long leeway before you start seeing the results. So uh, it's really, really important that um, the CIO really, really plays that role of translation and storytelling um, and not be afraid to look at the business side of the equation as well as the technology side of the equation. So, you know, that's, that's for me what I, I think is really, really critical as a CIO. Absolutely. And that alignment piece, especially. And um, so you mentioned there a legacy um, and, you know, and legacy systems can be, you know, a massive challenge in, in any business. Are there any other kind of common roadblocks within transformation that you think, you know, a CIO setting out on that journey needs to be really mindful of at the start on how to avoid them if, if possible? Or are there any kind of common roadblocks that you can think of uh, when you are setting about a transformation? Do you know, legacy is not a bad thing. I think legacy is only bad when you don't address it and when you don't constantly keep on top of it. I think the biggest mistake we've ever done, I think, is not actually having the voice of technology heard louder. Um, I think, you know, every technology in its own day is fantastic. But over time, you know, like anything, technology sort of erodes and you need to either keep up with it or you need to challenge it and then take it out. And as you know, most companies, we're not good at taking out anything. So, you know, at some point you pile up, but certainly the systems is something that you need to be very mindful of. And it's not a bad thing. It's just something that you need to make sure that within your investment portfolio, you always have a good balance, right? So what's going to really be in your way is the amount of technology you put in and not questioning why, you know, why do we need this? What is it going to bring to your business? Is it aligned to our business objective? 
Two is what's the price or the impact of not doing anything? Can we kick that can one more year? Because it's okay. We can, but we need to understand quite seriously what does that mean? Um, and so certainly um, if we do make the investment that we be flexible in actually adapting as we go. So not lock ourselves in into a place where we can't get out of. But we said this and we can't change. Not changing is actually your biggest uh, stick in your wheel. So I think as CIOs, the challengers are very much um, making sure that we surface the ugly as well as the beautiful, <laughs> you know. And, and it's okay to accept that we're not doing anything about it because we understand the impacts of it and also that we might have bigger fish to fry at this point. But let's not forget, let's not put it to the side and not talk about it again or not have the, the, the courage to bring it up. I think that's going to be the biggest roadblock to CIOs, I think, going forward, because we are at a point where we have technologies that we've had for 20 odd years. And at some point, we need to readdress them. Some of it's still good, by the way. Not all of it is bad. Some of it is still very robust. Things were well made then. Uh, but is it good for the next 20 years? And so looking in advance and making sure that it is. And if it's not, it's a big, ugly monster. Let's tackle it. We don't have to bite it all in one go. But the sooner we address it, the more we're going to get through it eventually. So I think these are just roadblocks. The rest is, I'd say to you, collaboration with the business. It's really important you talk to the business and understand where the business is going and what's the roadmap and ensuring that the business doesn't run away with just the technology side, but understanding what's their business requirement. And that's always been the big roadblock, you know, and saying, oh, I've seen this or this vendor sold me that. Uh, and so it's it's the perfect thing. It's going to make coffee. It's going to be perfect. And it's, but hang on a second. So how does that look like in operation? Mm. Have we understood the integration of it? Um, does it all make sense when we do the full 360 of it? Is it safe? Is it secure? Does it work? And what else are we not going to do if we're doing this? And are we comfortable with the full story here? Sometimes it's much easier to go with a little shiny diamond, uh, mm. but in actual fact, you need to look at the thing in its full context to go, is this a good business decision? And if it's a good business decision, then it makes sense for all of us to get into it. Absolutely. And I guess that brings it back again to your alignment piece and um, that clarity of what you actually want to achieve. So yep. you mentioned earlier um, transformation is, you know, just evolving. It's an ongoing thing. So your approach to transformation then, do you ever um, tackle it as a project with, a deadline and milestones and celebrating the wins or is it just you know you just keep going and keep keep going what what's been your approach it's a bit of a mix of both i'd say so first of all you know for, for instance at sudden cross we have a very clear five-year plan we know where we want to be as a business and we know what we want to de deliver for our members and so when we look at the five-year plan you go okay well in five years time i can't tell you what technology is going to look like because it's really hard to project anything in five years in technology days uh, but i sort of know what's going to happen for the next 12 to 24 months right because i have a view of what's happening now what do i need to address today what are my cyber security issues what are my you know other risks that i need to be factoring what are just the legislation that's coming through so we sort of have a, a plan or a roadmap of the things we already know of. And we also have a plan of what we don't know, what could be or could not be. But directionally, it's correct. So I think the combination of a bit of both. So you have to be agile in what you're doing today in your deliveries for the next 12 to 24 months because the marketplace, change, marketplace changes very quickly. So does technology. But you also have a direction that needs to be five years down the track. 
So, you know, you should know what you don't have, what you don't need, and what you're going to need to address between the two. So you need a good strategy to understand that. And that's probably a much more long-term approach. Um, so I think in that sense, yes, some stuff has a date. Some stuff we already know will be end of life. Um, but some other things, we're just going to go as an agile way. We're going to do a proof of concept. We're going to try it out. We're going to push the boat out. And some other places, we're going to be okay to say, you know, no, we don't have an answer for this one, but we're going to keep looking. So I think the combo of that reassures not only your peers, but also your board, that you don't have to have an answer for everything, but you need to be aware of the problem or the challenge and continuously look for a solution. Um, but I, I, I steer away from the word project because I think that's quite old terminology. Um, but I do think that sometimes waterfall is a good way of looking at your strategy and making sure that certain things need to happen. Um, but agile should be the way you execute uh, and be always be ready to change direction or change, you know, tack. Uh, but your direction and your North Star should be the same. And for us, it's about what do we want to give our members? How do we want our members to be in five years? Where's our promise to them? And therefore, what will need to change underlying to, to reach that? So you mentioned there earlier the importance of collaboration. So tell us as chief digital officer for Southern Cross Health Society, how do you collaborate with your, your peers on the exec and, and the wider organization? So we have a multiple of um, ways that we collaborate, but the biggest one is probably the start of the year when we prepare our plans for the year. So what we do is we meet up my leadership team with their leadership team, right? And we meet up and we understand where we're at with the business. How much did we achieve from our current financial year and the, our plans that we wanted to reach? And what needs to be different for the next 12 to 24 months or 12 to 18 months, because as far as far as you can go. Um, and we make sure that we understand where they're trying to get to. We understand where we're at and what needs to change or what needs to remain the same. And then we bring those choices. So, so we do this with every single department. And then we bring that back as a leadership team. And then we put it all together. And then we make some very difficult decisions. <laughs> They're not easy decisions. They're not made on the first go, but they're there to really challenge each other around some of the things that we call the must-dos, that we really have no choice, the things that um, should be done, and the nice-to-haves, right? Um, and then we give ourselves some leeway for the changes throughout the year. Um, so so we, we have a really good, robust conversation over a few days, and we come down to a, a portion of what we're comfortable with, um, what are the things we might address a bit later on? And what are the things that we actually are going to touch this year? And we're going to push it out for another year. Uh, knowingly that we already have a three-year horizon. So we know that whatever we push pulls up for the year after. And we're going to have this conversation again. Um, so, you know, we do it in a view that we have a vision to the future. So we're not just throwing stuff out for the sake of it. Um, and because uh, it's like a boomerang, it will come back anyways. But we also understand the capacity that what we've got, right? So we can't load our people with more than what we can actually deliver. So we try to do that. And then obviously we keep connecting with each other on a quarterly basis through quarterly planning, uh, which is our agile ways of working and constant conversation. You know, things change. And if they change, then how do we solve it as a team? These are the sort of way that really we engage with each other. No. Um you mentioned earlier that the role of technology, you know, it is across every part of um, the organization. 
how do you think the role of the CIO has changed since the pandemic? It's really brought it into sharp focus in a lot of businesses. Do you think it's changed the role of CIO? Do you know, it's a really good question. And I was thinking about that question before and I thought, oh, wow, that is a really good question. And I was trying to think about all the different industries I worked in. You know, I worked in publishing and I worked in, which wasn't digital at all. And digital sort of really changed the business. And I worked in telco and I worked in banking and I worked in energy and now in insurance. And um, and I think of what if I was at those places during the pandemic? Well, how would that look different than what we are at Southern Cross? And the reason why is because at Southern Cross, we were already very digital. Um, and so the pandemic for us has not, made any major changes by the fact that we we work now remotely um, on some cases and that we have a more flexi workforce. That's probably the only change for us. We were already very digital, so we just continued on growing our digital agenda. Um, but I guess for people that weren't very digital or were half, half digital, if you want, or hadn't completely converted, the pandemic would have absolutely accentuated the importance of digitization because if you were still doing some paperwork, having to be working remotely would have definitely created some challenges that hopefully companies would have addressed or are in the midst of addressing now. Uh, but certainly not a challenge that we had at Southern Cross, uh, which is great because we've done some great investment over the years. Um, and it's probably one of, and I say this all the time, one of the most digital company I've ever worked for. Uh, but, you know, came in with some some assumptions that insurance would not be uh, from previous experiences. And I was uh, gladly surprised that I was very wrong on that. <laughs> uh, That's so for great me, to hear. Yeah. So for me, not much. Um, mostly the way we work is what's changed. But again, you know, it gives people the flexibility to work differently. And the productivity is certainly not faltered on that. And we've got high engagement highly productive workforce. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's created different opportunities for people. Um, but that's so as far just, as, yeah. just on that, Rox, um, you, you, you mentioned there, um, you, you know, you have a highly productive um, workforce. So how do you create that internal culture? How do you really get people to be, you know, driven, um, but also, um, ensure that they're meeting their their personal and professional goals at work you know i've got this motto you play play hard work hard uh and it's very difficult when we're competing with each other in new zealand right now on talent right i mean we've all got the same issues we all have you know reduced workforce because we can't find people um you know salaries have been competitive even more so than we'd like uh, we've had lots of benefits that we've all added to our businesses to compete for talent. So at one point you go, well, what differentiates us? We all have very you know, big investment in our leadership, making sure that people are, um, you know, really feeling empowered. And it's sort of, you start looking for what's the difference between us and all the other great companies that are trying to get the same talent. And sometimes I think it just comes down to the difference of making your workplace a little bit more, um, fun, a little bit more inviting, you know, and sometimes I think great leadership is there and everybody can have great leadership, but a good sense of diversity, uh, a great sense of recognition of different cultures uh, um, and, and having fun. I think sometimes we've just forgotten with the pandemic, it was so serious 
Um, but each year I have DP's Got Talent and, uh, you know, people in technology have immense amount of creative juices and uh, it's amazing each year how much fun we try to get in terms of showing off your talent, uh, having a bit of a laugh, uh, making some challenges uh, internally for people to participate in different activities. Uh, you know, our Christmas party was amazing at Southern Cross because we had also music from every single continent to recognize everybody's culture. Um, and so, you know, the way we danced, we had a bit of Bollywood, we had, uh, you know, all sorts of places. We, it was just amazing. And, um, and I think that creates a sense that everybody feels like they're part of it. Um, they, they can be themselves and they're not trying to fill it, fit a mold. Um, we have such a diverse uh, group in Southern Cross, especially in IT, um, that people can feel that they can see themselves and they feel identified. I mean, um, that's probably one of the key things, I think, for culture. The rest is, you know, we've got great plans, we've got clear directions, we have great leaders. Yes, we've got great benefits. Um, we're very competitive and we work for a nonprofit for our membership. So everything we do is about our members and everything that we reinvest is to make our membership better. Um, and ultimately, you know, um, help people live healthier lives uh, longer. So um, I think the purpose is there for us. I mean, I can't speak on behalf of other businesses, but I certainly know that it's made people maybe sometimes leave and come back and say, you know what? Mm. Maybe I was paid something, something a bit more over there, but it, it's got nothing on the culture. So, yeah. you know, they come back and that's our greatest response and saying, well, it's like a family. So, you know, go and chase opportunities. We can't stop you, but there's always a place for you. Um, and recruiting good talent, you know, making sure we invest in good talent um, and we grow people internally and provide opportunity consistently for people to move in different areas. Uh, without being so hard on skills because you can learn skills if you've got the attitude skills is easy to learn and we've moved people from our call center into technology from you know network to security I mean everybody's got an opportunity to learn and to try different things and so we've got great stories uh, internally um, and I guess you know people say that so um, yeah I don't know that's probably the secret sauce I suppose I don't know yeah yeah, and I mean, it has been proven that, you know, the more diverse your team is, the, the better performing it is. Now, you're one of um, very few women CIOs or CDOs in New Zealand. Why do you think, um, you know, not as many women are attracted to IT as men? And what, what do you think are some of the practical things that can be done to um, get more women into IT and, and hopefully into that C-level um, as well. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Catherine. I think we've 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 we gathered. We have a small group of female CIOs, and we always get together. And we did that before Christmas. And it's always a big question for me why we lose. We have a lot of. I mean, I look at my group, and we've got. I've got a fantastic amount of women. In fact, I think we had a stat last year. Of course, we have a lot of changes at the moment in IT. But at one point, we had fifty-five percent of our testers were all females. We've got a really strong female and diverse presence. But when I see the echelons as when they move up to the top level job, I think we lose a lot of women at that level. And I'm not sure why women are just disconnected before they, they get up, because I don't think there's any lack of women entering the marketplace. In fact, we, we have lots of them. Um, why they don't pursue 
higher. I'm not too sure. Maybe because, again, we are a small minority. I know that employers are looking for females. Um, and I think one of the key things that I've been starting to think about is, is maybe we're not visible enough. Um, you know, I get calls sometimes and they're looking for a female. And I think, well, look at the top 50 CIOs. But when I look at the list, we're still not there's still not a lot of us, you know, we still haven't achieved that balance, not only from a gender perspective, but from diversity perspective. So um, I guess there's a lot of still more work to be done. And I'm not sure that we, sorry, I've got to fly there. Um, I'm not sure that, um, you know, we're doing as much as we need to, to make, to, to bring more up. Um, I don't know that there's, um, there's something specific blocking women from coming up. I don't think anymore, but I'm not sure we're doing enough to lift them up. Um, and that's probably something we need to discuss a lot more of. Um, it feels like yeah, we've lost a few in the last six months. Um, and I'm hoping that we're going to see that coming back and a few more coming in. Um, but yeah, it is a problem. Um, and I think we need more of, you know, more representation and more, more culture, more cultures as well. Yeah. So what advice would you give to um, someone who is aspiring to, you know, take that next step in their um, leadership and, and possibly become a, a CBO or, or a CIO? Uh, what advice would you give them regardless of, of their gender or their background? Uh, first of all, love technology, you know, love technology, love people. Um, we need a lot more people, pe people, persons as well, not just technologists. I think that's sort of limited a whole lot of opportunities in the past. Um, I'm a perfect example. And every time I speak about this, people, I do get a lot of females and a lot of people approaching me because I don't come from technology. And so for them, it's a I'm a perfect example of someone who has shifted from the business into technology, that it is absolutely doable and that we've had great successes. I've been here for three years. Um, you know, we've got a fantastic team, high engagement. Um, you know, we, we're making great strides. So, you know, I didn't need to have come up the technology, but I needed to be a great leader and understand and be passionate about technology um, and, and surround myself with very strong people that complement my skill set. And I think in any job, whether you take technology on or any other department that you may not have come from, good leaders will know how to build up a team to actually complement and bring all of that skill and expertise so that when we tackle a problem together, we've got everything we need in the room to do it with. So it's not about me. I should be the dumbest person in the room, which frankly, I felt like I was because when I started, I thought, whoa, this is very different. <laughs> I always wonder oh my God, they're actually going to give me a shot at this. Um, but I knew in my, my own self that as a leader, I could do it. I had worked alongside technology all my career. I knew how they worked and I knew that I was a good complement to those skill set, albeit very opposite, right? Extrovert, non-technology. <laughs> but actually it was a perfect mix uh, because together we can create the story we need to create and we can actually solve the problems we need to create because I represent somewhat the business and, you know, technology represents really the technology. Um, so I'd say to anybody, there is opportunity for anyone to step into this role, um, you know, and I'd say that a lot of it is, is grow that confidence and talk to people, um, continue doing 
everything that you're doing in terms of leadership, in terms of investment in yourself, um, leading people, learning, being curious, um, being innovative. You know, for me, what's driven me is, oh my God, I can now control the innovation <laughs> and the technology around it. And then we had the pandemic. So that's what I'm ex expecting them going to be doing a lot more this year. Um, so yeah, so my advice is, is you know, technology is not a scary place. It's actually a place that is really fun. It moves a lot. Uh, if you've got great leadership skills, you have curiosity, um, you like logical things, um, technology is definitely a place to be. And, and it doesn't mean that you have to have been in technology all your career, which I've been told a few times, you know, oh, you haven't done hardware or software or you haven't coded. And I thought, oh, well, okay, I can't be in technology. I never even could have imagined myself to run a technology department. But I had one great leader who said, absolutely, you can, and gave me an opportunity. And wow, changed everything. So as leaders, we need to give other, others the opportunity, but also reinforce their confidence that they're absolutely capable in doing it. Um, it's just like any other teams you lead, you know? You learn, you make mistakes, and you put plans together and put a strategy and, and trust that things will work. And hire Absolutely. well. Always and hire well. Hire well. <laughs> Best advice I can give, get good talent. They will make yes. it easy. <laughs> Absolutely. And so we're heading into, um, uh, you know, a busy year ahead, you know, possibly facing a recession um, if the economists are anything to go by um, and, you know, possibly a, a change of government. We've got an election towards the end of the year. So can you tell us what's important to you in the months ahead as we, as we head into some headwinds? Well, first of all, never forget the past. So our people got really burnt last year. I think most most New Zealanders and I think globally, you know, it was a tough last few years. Feels like this year we're starting afresh and back to some form of normality. Um, but we can't forget that we still have a lot on our plates and people are fresh now, but it doesn't mean we have to suck all the energy that they've managed to gain during the holidays. So stability and prioritization is going to be key for me this year. It's just making sure that, again, we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. We have a lot of demand for digital and technology again. That's never going to go away. Was there prior to the pandemic? It will there. It will be there well behind. We still have um, issues in regards to uh, job fulfillment. So, um, with vacancies and not having enough workforce, um, so we need to be mindful of that because that puts pressure on our people to do, to basically fill the gaps. Um, and costs are very high. Um, and I think also, I think this year is really a year, you know, like you said, there's a lot of uncertainty, what we call VUCA, you know. Um, so I'd say that this year, let's take it a day at a time. Uh, let's ease our way into normality. Uh, albeit there might be a recession, might not. Um, I think it's, it's hard to predict exactly where we're going to all wind up in the next few months. So think more short term with a long term view. At this point, I'd say, ease your way into it. And I think every quarter we'll get a better view of what the next quarter looks like. But I would certainly not make a projection for the rest of the year at this point, um, because I think it's it's everything is up in the air at the moment. So all we can do as people leader and as, um, you know, is, is give more certainty and stability to our teams in a place where there's a lot of uncertainty. 
So let's work on the things we can control, what we call control the controllables, and let's let the rest sort of flow into it and give ourselves time and energy to make sure we can tackle any changes or any tough parts. Um, I think it's going to be tough on people personally this year, and it's going to be probably tough on businesses and the economy. So um, it's already started the year with, you know, the prime minister resigning and so forth. So I just think, you know, already we're starting to see that. If we feed into that, we feed into our people feeling unstable. So I think let's take it a day at a time. Certainly what I've told my team last week, one day at a time, let's have a look. Let's stick to our plans, to what we can control, the capacity we've got today. And let's give ourselves some energy to tackle what else could come on top. But let's make sure that we keep it tight and focus. And I think that's really how we're going to navigate this year. That's a great place to leave it and great advice, I think, for everyone. Roxanne Sultan, thank you so much for your time today.